What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Hope you brought an apple for the teacher because it's time for the Star Seminar. And now, here are your hosts, Rabble Rouser and Danny Fenton. Welcome, aspiring Cowboysologists, to another edition of the Star Seminar, your team taught class in advanced footballology, taught as always by yours truly, Rabble Rouser, and my great eminent co-scholar, Dr. Danny Phantom. How are you today, sir? I'm doing okay. Um, having a little bit of a, a battle with one of our cats. Um, I'm just really struggling. I, I, we own three cats. None of them are really our cats. They're all of our original cats that we had have since gone, but my wife just could, continues to just allow others, you know, come in and she'll feed them and then suddenly they're just hanging out at our house but there's this one in particular cat that is driving me crazy um i mean it's like almost everything you can think of that you wouldn't like about a cat this cat's doing this one likes to run under my feet and, and try to take take my legs out from underneath me uh lately i'm getting fleas uh and so i mean i'm here i hate this cat but what this cat did this week was extra annoying because this cat likes to like like any cat they like to just lay on the hood of your car you know just sits there it's nice and warm well this cat jumped on my wife's brand new rav and tried to jump it to catch itself but it it didn't make it so just clawed the paint job of our new car so just like oh you gotta be kidding me it's like just when i thought i couldn't hate you anymore you do that so anyway i'm just i'm i'm, I'm really at at my wits end with this cat. I don't know what to do. I mean, I love animals and everything, but this cat just has it out for me. And so I don't know, but do you, are there any type of animals or do you ever have problems with, you know, a pet or some type of animal that just annoys you to, to no end? I was just going to say, in terms of this cat, it's nothing a little flea dip and some rubbing compound can't solve, my friend. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's actually, it's funny, because when you when you were just talking about an animal that you don't get along with, I had a very clear answer pop into my head, and that, my friend, is Eagles fans. It's an animal that I don't get along with at all. It's, it's an untamed uh, beast from the nether regions of, of Hades uh, that you know, crawls up through some hell mouth that's located near Lincoln Financial Field. I do not understand this animal. I do not like this animal. This is an animal that I don't care for one bit. 
You know, normally I would say I don't think that this qualifies as an animal, but I, you know what? I've seen them, you know, in in real life and and what they do. So definitely, there's some you know animalistic uh, characters there. So you know what? I'll allow it. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, so listen, you know, uh, speaking of beasts and beast-like performances, we have to talk about the Cowboys' absolute dismantling of the hated New York Football Giants. Oh. Um, I'm gonna just let me just start by saying this because I, I know we talked about this last time. So as you know, my buddy Big Melly and I had a sort of sports Sunday extravaganza last week. So we, we uh, went up to New York and uh, in the afternoon, we went and saw the Yankees and Brewers play. It was an incredible game because it actually, it went thir- like 13 or 14 innings. We were sitting there with a beer and I had a hot dog and it was, it was bliss. And then, you know, we got back, took the train back down to, to uh, Secaucus Junction Station drove over to uh Giants game, had a little tailgate over there, and then witnessed an absolute glorious three hours, most of which we were getting rained on, and we just simply didn't care. There was a Giants fan in front of us who did who who was uh the first through the whole first drive was standing and yelling. At one point he like gestured to try to to try to rally everybody and he like hit me upside my head and I gave him this glare <laughs> and he was like, oh I'm sorry. And um and so he was just going crazy for his first down signaling and I was like, oh my God, dude, if this game's close, this is gonna be oh absolute misery. And then of course block punt, return for a touchdown, soon thereafter, Cowboys drive for a field goal. He's kind of quiet, and then there's the pick six. And he didn't say a peep. He didn't get out of his chair. He didn't do anything. except He just sat there in absolute silence and abject misery for the rest of the game, and it was glorious. You ex- it was glorious. You experienced a real-life trolling the nation is what happened. It's like- <laughs> it's exactly it. It was amazing. Oh, oh, man. It was so great. And so he was all psyched up. He painted his face like half red and half blue, and he was all going crazy. And he just and then so the other guys left before the end of the game. He sat there with his buddy who was a cowboy fan throughout the whole game in abject misery. And the thing is it was raining, so the oh paint God. was starting to run down his face. <laughs> it was incredible. It was like oh. you know it was that commercial where it was like an NFL commercial where it's like uh like the soundtrack is you had a bad day about the <laughs> like the people whose teams lost. He was the poster child for that. Like here he was, he was so excited, he painted his face, he came and he tailgated. And then he was just sitting there in the rain, and the paint was running down his face onto his deck. It That's, was oh my awesome. I'm just, it sounds like just like a, a really sad clown that just had a miserable time. <laughs> exactly right. So, yeah, I, the, the Giants fans that day were all basically sad clowns who had miserable days. But listen, um, we were some happy clowns, yes. uh, you know, watching that game. So tell me, tell me about your experience, and, and tell me, um, you know, a couple takeaways from the game that you have in, in the wake of this I mean, just, I mean, incredible week one drubbing yeah. of a division rival. Uh, yeah, it's, it's really, it's, it's difficult because I think you, you know, you're a big part of this, have, have helped me or helped condition me to just not really put a lot of stock into what we see on week one. I, I already had my, um, I was prepared for some sloppiness, which we saw a little of. I was prepared for that rust week where the Cowboys, they don't play guys in the preseason. I was prepared for that. Mm-hmm low scoring divisional battle and giants good football team playoff football team final four nfc football team last year and you know they're supposed to be taking that next step so i 
had myself prepared for a game which was going to be close and may or may have not ended in the Cowboys' favor. And then that first drive happened, and it's like, well, here we go. This is mm-hmm. this is just exactly, you know, I'm glad I got I braced myself for this. And then the worm turned, and it turned in the biggest way, and it just never stopped. And it was just like, what am I seeing? And with every new play, it was just like, if you could imagine, you know, on the defensive side of the ball, it's like, imagine all the, like, best-case scenarios for, like, Micah Parsons and how we thought he could be just this, this could be it for him. Or if you if you mm-hmm. talk about like Osa breakout season or is Marquise Bell going to work out at linebacker? I don't know. You know, all these things that were like, but the upside of it, it's like that all happened. It's just like there was mm-hmm. just everything was phenomenal. Stefan Gilmore, right on cue. That he, you know, just he's the veteran we're looking for. And we're, you know, that this team's been missing. I just, I was so impressed. It, it is, it's hard for me to contain my excitement. If uh, you can see it, and you know, listeners cannot, but uh, I am so impressed with this defense that it has brought me to a place to where I haven't felt in a long time. I mean, I don't know what this all means and how things are going to work out collectively, but from a defensive standpoint, this this team has it. They absolutely they have it, and I mean, what Dan Quinn has tried to do, he's doing, and it's just uh, the the traits that he has the the types of players that he has, it's all working. The depth that this team has, it's just, I mean, it's remarkable. I mean, we don't have Overshown, Jordan Lewis, and I don't know who else we're missing. It feels like they don't have players. You're good, but you're good for Nation Rye is dressed right now. <laughs> That's true. We don't, Don, Donovan Wilson, how about we'll go with That's him? Right. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it's like they're missing. They don't matter. They're just so deep. They're so good. And it's just, I don't know. I, I I don't really know how to describe how I'm feeling because defense wins championships, Rabs, and this Cowboys team has one of the best defenses, if not. There's no, there, listen, there is no question they have a championship defense. You know what's all, what else is great about this defense is that, anyway, and I'm not by any means the first person to point this out, is every single guy who dressed played. And, and I think almost every one of them played somewhere around 20 snaps. It was incredible how everybody was participating. It wasn't just that they're like starting 11 is really good. You know, you took Parsons out and suddenly, you know, Dorrance Armstrong is blowing up. Uh, you know, also Digizua looks like he's taking the next step. I mean, it, it was it was amazing. And I, I think the other thing about this is, you know, we just both talked about that opening drive and how we were filled with dread and trepidation during that opening drive. But when you when you re- rewatch the game, as I'm sure you probably have, because it's a heck of a fun rewatch oh, sure. when you rewatch the game knowing what the final score is you're 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 not filled with that emotion during that first drive because you don't feel any sense of dread because you know how it's going to turn out and and when i rewatch it i'm like oh you know that first drive actually daniel jones had a couple of really good runs but you know why he had good runs because they were flushing him from the pocket immediately and nobody was open and he was running for his life oh and one of those was a slightly questionable late hit they gave him 15 yards. Oh yeah, they had a couple of they had a couple of running plays that got a little bit of yardage, but they weren't like gashing the Cowboys. And so, you know, the more I looked at the more I look when you look at that drive again, you realize, oh, okay, so that that was really just Daniel Jones running for his life a couple of times, and that and they had a couple they had a couple of like misdirection kind of runs that were you know reasonably successful, and then ultimately there was third and one, and they jumped off sides because Michael Parsons is a beast, and then they fumbled and it was over, mm-hmm. and but but you know. 
even that drive, like all the all the breaks the Giants got in the game, they spent on that first drive in a way. So, I mean, this this defense is so good, and they're going to be so hard for teams to to try to to try to play against. And any team that gets down against this Cowboys team is going to be in a world of hurt. Because my goodness, yeah. they are. I mean, they are built to play with a lead. If they can get a double-digit lead and those dudes can tee off. I mean, honestly, if you're down 17 against the Cowboys, you have to continue to run the ball. You just have to. Yeah. No, and you know what? Because, because otherwise, you're going to get your quarterback killed. Yeah, I think they tried, but I just I don't think that they just had any tricks in in their bag that could counter what the Cowboys have. And, you know, you talk about they used up all their – their good luck or whatever. I tell you what, the Cowboys, they, they fumbled the ball five times. They, mm-hmm. the Cowboys only recovered one of those. I mean, so that things could have been way worse. You know, we saw a couple yep. drops too, from the tight ends. Things could have been way worse. And of course the Cowboys didn't even stop and, you know, the starters didn't even play though in the most of the fourth quarter. I mean, it could have been way worse, but yeah, just super deep team. I mean, it's just crazy to see contribution. You're and not only that, you're allowed to just keep people fresh and just keep coming mm-hmm. at you. I just, I think that is just going to be huge. Um, Cause I mean, like Torrance Armstrong, you mentioned too. It's like, talk about the efficiency of that guy. Didn't play a whole lot, but man, did he just capitalize on what playing time that he did. And I, I don't know. I just can't but say. Fowler was incredible. And you know, Every, I yeah, mean, it was just Sam Williams. I think it was, I it's, you know, was still coming back from his, from his turf toe. He wasn't his full self, but he had a couple of really nice rushes where he flushed, you know, he flushed quarterbacks. It, it, and it's just wave after wave of like relentless dudes. And, you know, I live in Philadelphia, as you know, and people watched a moribund English uh, Eagles team survive after getting a similarly big lead against against New England. And they just look kind of like like we thought the Cowboys might where they were kind of out of sorts and they they weren't in sync. And um, everybody's complaining. And I'm hearing a lot about, well, that wasn't the case with the Cowboys. I mean, they were. You know, in mid-season form, yeah. and and there's something also about it. It's this like, and this is the thing that we talked about, or a lot of people have talked about in terms of what's different about Micah Parsons this year. Is he just? It just seems like he's taking this to another level, and he's bringing everyone with him, and and he's got you know this sort of proverbial eye of the tiger, and this defense is playing with such violence. Yes. You know, it's it's incredible. I mean, it feels like they really like they see they see the it, the the possibilities that are laid out in front of them, and they're not going to waste this no. possibility because they understand how rare this opportunity is. They're not going to they're not going to waste it. I think the other thing that's cool now, if we want to switch to the other side of the ball, um, the offense also played. I think every guy who dressed except for maybe the third quarterback, like they played. Mm-hmm all the wide receivers, they played all the running backs, they played all, I mean, all the backup offensive linemen got a chance to, to, to rotate in. It was incredible. I mean, like they dressed, what, 53 guys and 52 of them played. Yeah, no. I mean, it was, it, it, it was I mean, you can't write a better script. So let's talk about the offense. What do you think about the Cowboys? I mean, obviously the Cowboys put up a 40 burger, so they did something good. Mm-hmm. But what do you think about the Cowboys offense? I Well, one thing that – In the midst of that. One thing that really stood out to me, I was pleasantly pleased with the performance of the offensive line. Like I haven't, we haven't been able to see Chuma play. Like we saw a little bit in camp, but he was just getting abused by Micah. We and we didn't know what to what 
that means. Um, mm-hmm. We have no reference and stuff. And so this is like the first time we get to see see him because he wasn't there preseason. Uh, and I was I was super impressed. Uh, I was super impressed with Ty, you know, Tyron Smith. It's like, hey, I remember that guy, the guy who's been like dominating. Oh, look, it's 2014 yeah, Tyron yeah, Smith. Yeah, hey, good to see you. Yeah, and uh, so I mean, just everything. And then Terrence Steele, like, no, my I didn't never hurt my knee. I mean, that's all old news. It's, so everything, everything just looked fantastic. I love that. And he, I mean, he and Zach Martin looked oh, like they hadn't goodness. missed a beat. Oh, they had those combo blocks on the right side. Was like good it was like luck. They, they were right. Yeah. I mean, it, it's it's like they never missed a beat. And, and this is an offensive line that hadn't played together in a year and a half, and you never would have known it. Yeah, it was it was it was incredible. And I think you know people have talked about when you have one backup and you have all your starters, it's a lot different than when you have all your backups in a preseason game. And that was never more true yeah. than on Sunday night because you're right. Chuma played way better than I think anybody imagined he would mm-hmm. did a great job holding up inside against, you know, a, a very formidable pair of defensive tackles and um, really only got beat maybe once. And, and I mean, the, the offensive line breakdowns that we were worried about in the middle just never materialized. Yes. The Cowboys didn't run the ball terrifically well, but I think that'll come. I think they're just, they're still, they're still getting in sync as an offense, but um, yeah, I mean, it, it was, it, it, I, here's the thing. I don't, and I think you agree with this. I don't know if the offense was particularly impressive, but I think one of the reasons they weren't particularly impressive is they didn't need to be no. because they got up to such a big lead. And, you know, we're not the only ones talking about this, but I think the Cowboys and, and, you know, uh, you know, uh, Schottenheimer said this in his interview this week. They just put the, a lot of the stuff that they had prepared for this team. They just put in their back pocket and said, "You know what? Let's save this for the sure. Jets." That means that gives. I get because they were able to prepare for the Giants for two weeks. They had a bunch of stuff in the playbook, and they were like, "You know what? Let's just shut this down, and we'll have some extra stuff for the next couple of weeks." And so that's what they that's what they did. So, uh, if there's an open question, it's what is the offense? And I think that that's something that you're that you're wondering is what is this offense because. Yeah. They didn't have to. They didn't have to show their hand. Right. No. That that's that's a good point, and it, and that is still a question for me. And I, I'm I'm not concerned about it, uh, but at the same time, I'm not like, you know, I'm not all happy either because I really think that it's a it's an unknown. Because um, I mean, we talk about this defense and how great they are, and they are really great. Uh, but I feel like, you know, Dak Prescott is still going to have to be that guy for this team to, to host hoist the Lombardi. And so we, so, so we want, we want evidence of that. And I'm sure, you know, we're going to get that. It's just, it didn't happen week one because like you said, it didn't need to. So it does leave something yeah. to be desired. And, uh, you know, fortunately we got lots of games left to, to see that. So I'm super excited about, about that. Yeah. So let, one point, and then we should probably move on, which is that, um, you know, you and I have talked about, the fact that September is for the most part, the preseason nowadays, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so there's a right. four game preseason now that, that, that teams play in September. Um, and I think the thing about that is you just have to hope that you don't like your season isn't a loss that you don't start one and three or oh and four while you're kind of getting in gear and figuring, figuring things out. And I think the thing about this is now, especially with the Aaron Rodgers in, injury that happened on Monday night is the, the, the one game where you really thought, this is a good chance the Cowboys could lose this one um, is now more winnable. And then you've got Arizona, you've got 
Um, the Rams, I mean, the Rams may be okay. They, they, they had a good game against Seattle, but I don't think they're a particularly talented team. And so that's exactly what you want. It's sort of like a college football schedule, right, where you play a bunch of patsies early on while you're learning mm-hmm. and getting, getting revved up for the season. So you actually get it, you know, you get your timing down, and then you start to take on the more challenging foes. And that's lining up for the Cowboys yes. now. So, like, the yes. thing that you're talking about – that's okay because we may not know in week two, we may not know in week three, but we don't, we, we probably never really do because the team is still figuring that out. But I tell you what, if they can be, if they could be three and oh, four and oh, four and one, five and one, by the time they figure that out, it's going to be great yeah. because, um, you know, the, the, the season and the schedule is setting itself up now. So they have that time to really kind of explore their identity on offense, get everybody healthy, get their timing down before, before they, before Dak is going to be asked to win games in the way you just talked about. Yeah. Which could be week five against San Francisco. I think that's exactly right. I mean, that that's really the target day, right? You got going to San Francisco. It's a listen there's a decent chance both those teams are going to be undefeated for that game. And it's going to be a, you know, a nationally televised big deal. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a, a slobber knocker of a game. And, it, and I, I think that the, I'm listening, if I was the Cowboys coaching staff, that's the game I'm targeting for us to like be all on the same page and have our timing down. Right. right? They, don't, they don't, they don't need to before then, but, but you have to by then because you're going to need to against that team. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's, I think we need to, to, to move on and, uh, and start to talk about, the uh new york jets uh, but bef- but before we, we before we do I, I you know in thinking about the new york jets and the cowboys history and, and you know in playing the jets so they only play like every four years or so um there's one game that most recent game that 2019 debacle mm-hmm. against the jets that really stands out because that was a terrible terrible jets team and the cowboys of course had been riding high and just been and just destroyed uh in succession giants the Washington team and the Dolphins, and then laid an egg against against a, a vastly inferior Jets team. And um, you know, in looking back over that, I was reminded of that, and I, I started thinking: Is that the most embarrassing loss in in uh, the in, in Cowboys history in the time that I followed the team? And I don't know; it, it may not it may not be the most embarrassing, but it's certainly up there. So I kind of wanted to pose that with you, a fellow Cowboy historian. Is is that the most embarrassing loss in your Cowboys fandom? Well, I think that's or a, if not, where does it rank? I I will say this: I'm not sure where I would place it, but I think it it should be up there because when you look at embarrassment, you look at what your expectations are, and then how the game played out. So, like like for example, the Bears lot. Everyone remembers the the Bears mid '80s loss. That seemed embarrassing at the time, but we're talking about a really good football team. And as we learned, Cowboys, not so much. So I think when I'm looking at that, I'm looking at a, a good Cowboys team and a, a getting beat by a team that just has no business, you know, beating the Cowboys. That's that's how I'm looking at Because, I mean, the, Texan, the Texans' uh, first game ever, that was embarrassing for Cowboys oh. because, I mean, you know, um, Expansion teams aren't supposed to win. They don't, at least not until you know that that happened, uh, and uh, so that that was tough. But I mean, Cowboys weren't a very good team back then. So it's like, I guess my the one that stands out to me is the it's this nineteen ninety three season opener uh, where the Cowboys got beat by Washington, and Washington I think mm. won four games that year. Cowboys were defending Super Bowl champs. Now they lost. 
the first two games of the year, as everyone will, remembers from the most um, successful holdout in NFL history when Emmett Smith was unavailable. <laughs> but it was just there, there was no reason for for Washington to to uh, lay the smack down there. They weren't a good team. It was in that game. I you probably remember like uh, Brian West. Brian Mitchell or like down the ball at the one and the Cowboys just the the club they they clobbered him at the one it's like one of the most bonehead plays you'll see but then Washington turns around and does a 99 yard drive it was it was terrible so that that was embarrassing um so I, I don't know where the Jets fits in there but it certainly qualifies as one of the more embarrassing ones simply because of that and they, they just the Jets were bad Cowboys were were a good team that year and that that should have never happened I, I agreed. Agreed. I tell you the one that, the one that really stands out to me. Also, it was. It, I just sort of felt like at the end, I was like, this team is gutless. And that was the that was in two thousand. Oh, I'm trying to remember. I think it was two thousand eight. Uh, Tony Romo went down with an injury oh, uh, the previous week. He hurt his hand against the against the Cardinals, and they went and, and uh, our our good friend Brad Johnson was the quarterback, and they went to play a terrible. I mean, literally terrible Rams team and the Rams not only beat them, but absolutely Molly woggled them yes. 34 to 34 to 14. Uh, that, that to me is the most embarrassing just because I mean, losing to a team like that by 20 is, is so humiliating. And, and it's just so, so indicative of all the kind of problems that existed then at the, at the, at, mm-hmm. you know, during, during the bulk of the Wade Phillips era. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know what? there aren't nearly as many problems with the 2023 Dallas Cowboys. So I tell you what, let's move on, talk about them. And I want to lead you through um, a little kind of analysis of the New York Jets and who this opponent is that the Cowboys will be facing off with this coming weekend. Okay, I'm looking forward to this. Okay, my friend, as I suggested earlier, I think it can be a really useful um, exercise to think about an organization's spine and who are the most important dudes who are in the building. So I want to just kind of start off by um, sharing a little bit about who the who the major players. Are. I'm not going to really talk about the owner, but I, I do want to sort of start with their GM because they they are they're not necessarily are you know your father's New York Jets. So in some ways, it starts with the hiring of. Uh, GM Joe Douglas in 2019. So he worked with Ozzie Newsom in Baltimore for a while, and then he came over and worked with Howie Roseman in Philadelphia. And I think he has elements of both of those guys in terms of his priorities, in terms of what he wants to do. So um, one of the things I think he takes from Ozzie Newsom is he really prioritizes traits. Um, and that in some ways has led to a lot of uh, to both hits and misses. So, uh, you know, when we think about him drafting traits, it's led to some really, really great players who are physical specimens. Um, but it's also led to drafting of guys like Zach Wilson, who he, who he brought in because the guy's got, you know, an incredible, like elite level arm talent, but maybe not be the best quarterback. Um, the other thing I think he's taken from Howie Roseman uh, is that he's done a good job or at least he's been consistent in trading day three draft picks for established NFL vets to kind of flesh out the roster and try to build like the back half of, of his roster. He's had three draft classes now, obviously since he got here in 2019. Um, 
the a couple of them not so great but the 2022 class is ridiculous he had four picks in the top 36 and from that group he had two rookies of the year on offense and defense and another guy who probably would have been the rookie of the year had he not gotten hurt. So that's uh, that's Sauce Gardner and Garrett Wilson, the cornerback and the wide receiver. And then, of course, uh, Brees Hall, the running back who got hurt mm-hmm. and probably would have won rookie of the year uh, had he not. And instead it went to Garrett Wilson. So uh, in uh, 2021, um, they hired a new head coach, Robert Salah. Uh, he was hired from Kyle Shanahan's staff in San Francisco. I think that's important when we talk about their offense in a minute because I think he, he as a guy who had to go up against Shanahan's offense, really understood and understands now the value of an offensive system like that that relies on the same look every play. I mean, that's, you know, we've talked about this and the fact that the Cowboys struggle against San Francisco a little bit. And the fact that the Cowboys offense in the past didn't have this quality, which is that offense, uh, excuse me, that passing plays and running plays start from the same look that you oftentimes can't, your keys, you can't tell them apart if you're like a linebacker trying to defend them, et cetera. It becomes and deception through, through sort of similarity and duplication becomes one of the things that you struggle with and why you're a step behind as a defender. And the next thing you know, boop, the guy's past you because you're still trying to figure out what you're seeing. So he, he, he um, is a defensive guy, um, didn't actually have a particularly outstanding defense in, in, in San Francisco from 2017 to 20. So I think that uh, he wasn't hired because of his defensive mind or his unusual defensive mind necessarily because he does some talent on those on those defenses. Um, and it, interestingly enough, the 49ers defense immediately improved when D'Amico Ryans took over the following year in 2021. So um, part of that is an infusion of talent. Part of that was was that Salah was drafted less because he's, you know, he's, he's a rare defensive mind and more because he's uh, a kind of, you know, a personality, a guy who's a sort of, tough, fiery face of the organization, etc. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Do you remember Saw's position? So he he was with Quinn in Seattle when they won the Super Bowl with, with Ken Norton and... Chris Richard, and do you happen to do you know what what like he, what position he was coached by chance? Um, and so with Seattle, he was there from 2011 to 2013, and was a defensive quality control coach working with Quinn when the you know Legion of Boom was at its absolute zenith. So he understands you know um, how uh, a, a fiery, quick, young defense, a cocky, confident defense 
can really transform an organization. He's been there. And I think that that fiery personality of his and his son, you know, he's got a little Mike Tomlin in him in terms of just like, you know, he's a he's a tough, tough dude. Um, and I think his team is taking on that personality. In uh, in 2023, so just just now, uh, they they hired uh, often a new offensive coordinator, Nate Hackett, the son of longtime NFL coordinator uh, Paul Hackett. So Hackett's definitely a nepo baby, uh, strictly like old school West Coast kind of guy. Uh, but he's also, you know, this goes back to what I said earlier about Robert Salah being a member of. Uh, Shanahan staff in in San Francisco because he you know he runs a timing based offense lots of short passing likes to stretch the defense horizontally so they're more so they become more vulnerable vertically for when the, on those moments when you really want to go downfield um, he he runs a wide zone style running game he likes big receivers in the slot you know they brought in Alan Lazard this this last year mm-hmm. uh, not only you know a a uh, a Rogers favorite, but also a big receiver. We can motion the slot and that be a kind of like a small tight end. You know, you've seen the Cowboys do that a lot. Um, and there's a lot of continuity from the previous uh, offensive coordinator, Mike LaFleur, Fleur, who also ran a similar system. So uh, it was a smart hire on a couple different levels. You know, one, there's some continuity and two, um, you know, it, it uh, he, he's bringing in a lot of those, a, a lot of those elements that, that are sort of simple to teach, but very deceptive. Um, and I think the the thing about this also is that, you know, the, the, the Jets will talk a little bit about, about some of their offensive personnel in a second, but, um, you know, that running game, that Shanahan style running in that wide zone game, um, you know, it, it's something that the Cowboys have, have historically struggled with. I mean, that's the thing that we haven't seen yet. We don't know if this defense can be any better at that, but we about defending that, but we know that they've really struggled against that kind of running game in the past. And, you know, last, last week against the bills who have a pretty stout defense, they would, they, after Aaron Rodgers went down went full ground and pound and they, with, uh, with both uh, Brees Hall and Dalvin cook, and they ran 28 times and got 172 yards. So that, that was, they did a lot to protect their quarterback, uh, in that game and i think you know as as a result stylistically it's exactly the kind of team not talent wise necessarily but stylistically it's exactly the kind of team that the cowboys have struggled with in 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 the last couple years when they've been a really really good team defensively other than that one bugaboo Mm -hmm. so that's a kind of that's a kind of overview of their spine of course the last piece of that spine is as you know, the quarterback. And so this is the thing that changes the landscape of this game utterly. You know, the fourth play of the game, as you very well know on Monday night, Aaron Rodgers went down, season-ending Achilles injury. He won't be back even if they manage to eke into the playoffs. It's, he's not coming back till next year, maybe not even game one next year with that one because he's a, a thousand years old and, um, you know, it takes a long time for old men like that to heal. So we now are back to the Zach Wilson era. This is a quarterback who they didn't think they could win with. I think that they felt like um, they built a team that was capable of winning, but not with that quarterback. They went and got a quarterback that they could win with, kept Zach Wilson around as a development project. And lo and behold, now they're back to Zach Wilson. So um, there's a significant downgrade at quarterback and they've done a lot of things to try to build the offense and bring in personnel um, to suit Rodgers, 
Um, we talked about Alan Lazard. Mm -hmm. They also brought in Randall Cobb to be the third receiver. Right. So there's a lot of kind of like, you know, Green Bay East things they were starting to do on offense here to make Rodgers happy. And then suddenly the whole thing changes. So uh, it's going to be really interesting. I, I think that they're probably, and we can talk more about why they're going to do this. But I, my, my guess is that they're going to try to um, eat up the clock, shorten the game, challenge the Cowboys on the ground with that, with that, you know, that wide zone game. And then make a you know try to try to use the easy button for Zach Wilson as often as possible, you know, uh, have him just to do some you know some short drops, some rollouts, short passes. Try to let try to let his receivers um, do things after the catch, etc. Um, there's a game script in which that could actually work. Right. I think it just depend it depends on how you know how things how things go. And I think the reason that can work is because of course of their defense. Mm -hmm. What do you know about the Jets' defense and some of their personnel? You know, I don't know a lot about the Jets' defense other than since, you know, well, since last year, he, uh, Salah has really turned things around. And the Jets, okay, they're, they're, everybody is aware that this is a very good defense. Of course, you mentioned some, some reasons they, they have drafted extremely well over the last few years, you know, including some really good players in the trenches. And they're getting contributions from those guys right now. I, I feel like, you know, people know about Sauce Gardner, and you know, they there there are certain players that that stand out. But I mean, this is a really balanced team that they have good players everywhere. And I am concerned that if what if what happens goes down like you say with the if we try to shorten the game. This could be a, a big problem because well, one of the things that just switching back on the offensive side of the ball is, you know, you mentioned the rushing stats, too, with Cook and Brees Hall. Um, overall, there wasn't very much happening with the, there. There was like two good runs. Brees Hall had two good runs. And outside of That's that, right. That's right. it was pretty much no, they weren't running for very much. So I, and I feel like I can see a situation where it looks like you got these guys contained. They're not doing much. If they go horizontal, so what? Cowboys have so much team speed, they're going to wrap up. But if, you know, we have one of these games where we're just like close and you get one little hole, one little Brees, Brees, Brees Hall pops one. Or, yeah. or Garrett Wilson gets loose, mm -hmm. you know, and mm -hmm. then, um, then that could be huge. So it worries me. And it worries me because of, of this, this Jets defense. And I, I, I'm not worried about their offense at all. I feel like the Cowboys defense, you know, we talked about this earlier. They were just remarkable and they're going to they're going to they're going to give Zach Wilson problems, no doubt about it. But what we don't know is what are the Cowboys offense going to look like against this really good Jets defense? And that's to me is what, you know, I, I just don't know. Yeah, so I think that so you the two guys you just named and I think we can add Dalvin Cook to that, although I'm not sure he might still need a little bit of time to kind of get back fully, but I, the two guys you just named Brees Hall and Garrett Wilson are the guys that we need to be afraid of because there's, I mean, their, their tight end group is good in terms of like, they're pretty good blocking and they like to, they're going to, they're going to run a lot of like 13 personnel, you know, a lot of, a lot of multiple tight end formations probably they did that a lot of that, a lot of that against the bills they are probably going to try to go big and go tight. Um, but uh their offensive line is actually a lot weaker than the Giants' offensive line is. Like, their tackles are not great. I think that 
Makai Becton uh, and and uh, Dwayne Brown are real liabilities. I think that they have they have a, you know both uh, Makai Becton and uh, Elijah Vera Tucker who are on the right side are pretty good at run blocking, but really they, they struggle in pass blocking. The one thing that the Jets cannot afford to do is to get behind and have Zach Wilson back in the pocket because he does he does terribly under pressure. He tends to run backwards, right? He doesn't run up and he doesn't step up in the pocket. He tries to escape the pocket, run way backwards, try to tries to roll out. Uh, if they if they can if they can get the Jets in a negative game script, this could be a really really bad situation for the Jets if they start, if the if the defense starts to make plays and and starts to get short fields or generates cheap scores like they did against the Giants it could be it could be ugly so the Jets really have to do what they can to keep the game close so that they're in a manageable game script so that what you just said i.e. one of the playmakers that they have on offense because they really only have a couple of game breakers can get get the ball they don't have to re- and do something you know amazing with it long play long touchdown, something, because I don't think that they can rely on their quarterback to generate, certainly not to sustain drives, but also to generate big plays. So he's going to have to throw a short, short, easy pass. And someone's going to have to do something with it. He's going to have to uh, hand the ball off and someone's going to do something with it. It can happen. It can certainly happen. And it can happen because their defense is really good. Mm-hmm. And this is the key to the game because, uh, I think that the, their their offense, in some ways, is not. In terms of it, in terms of its high end playmakers, it's better than the Giants. But in terms of its sort of overall quality and it, and it, it in the bottom of it, of the offense, it's probably not as good as the Giants, right? So the Cowboys' defense has, has a lot of chances to feast. The problem is that if there's a better defense in the NFL than the Cowboys, it's probably the Jets. So you know, Krabs, this this makes me. I, this raises a question for you. If 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 everything that you're saying is true, and and the Jets' window of opportunity is very small, and it's going to take one of these shortened games, big play, game changing type of things, for them to pull this out. If you're Mike McCarthy, how are you approaching this Jets defense? Are you are you going to be extra conservative and and not have your quarterback make mistake or put your offense in a position where that that's more likely to happen are you, are you gonna do, or do you want to fall in the trap of shortening the game where you're running the ball too and suddenly the possessions are much fewer so i mean where would you go how would you attack this jets defense um with knowing what you know i think i think that um you know you talk about falling into the trap of shortening the game i don't know that that's a concern i think the idea here is that listen you're the better team the as long as you don't, as long as you're not like minus two or worse in turnovers, you're probably going to win. So I think the thing about that is on third and eight, when it does come time to be third and eight, what you don't do is try to expose Dak so that he can make a completion, you know, uh, where you're exposing him to the Jets uh, defensive line. You, you, you run a simple play, you know, maybe it's a play where it's a quick hitter and then, you know, you're hoping that someone can make a play and get a first down, but you're not throwing, you're not throwing past the sticks, you know, that kind of thing. You're not exposing your quarterback. What you're doing is you're punting and living in, and, and living to fight another day. 
And because I think you have to rely on the fact that the Jets are going to have a really hard time moving the ball consistently against your defense. And the way that the Jets can stay in this game and win this game, just like they did against the Bills, is to be, you know, plus plus you know plus something significant in the turnover ratio in turnover differential. Um, you know, you know, get a couple of big plays you know, et cetera. So the, I, the Jets just aren't explosive enough, I think, and, and the Cowboys' defense is just too good for the Jets to win any other way than the way they won against the Bills, which is to, to hang in there, keep it close enough, get a couple of plays because your quarterback does something stupid and, th- and try and try to play hero ball, and it gets you back in the game, and then you pop a long run. And, and so I, I think that if the Cowboys don't turn the ball over, they win by 10 or more. If, if they do turn it over, then then it'll keep the game close. And if they turn the Jets over, then, then I mean, it, it could get out of hand again because yeah. they're just yeah. a much they're a much better and more complete team. But the, the Jets defense is really, really good. I think we need to talk just a little bit about who all they have on defense, because I think they're they may actually have. We were talking about this before we started recording. They may have a deeper defensive end room than the Cowboys do, which is really something. That sounds crazy for uh, you to say. They have uh, their starting defensive tackles are clearly superior to those that the Cowboys have, and they and they have a couple of really really good linebackers in Quinn and Williams and um, uh, rather sorry, uh, that's right, isn't it? Or no, or linebacker uh, Quincy Williams. Oh. Quincy Williams is Quinn and Williams' brother, actually. Quincy Williams and C.J. Mosley, really good. Their corners are uh, their two starting corners are. Excellent, and, and honestly, maybe a better better pair than the Cowboys starting corners. They're, they're, I think, they're at least comparable. I think that their that their nickel is exploitable, Michael Carter. And so, if they if the Cowboys want to put CD CD Lamb in the slot most of the game, then there's certainly some plays to be made there. Again, you just don't want to have a slow developing, you know, crosser over the middle, or you don't want to do that too many times. Um, I think where the Jets are, are a little bit nondescript is at safety, but you know we saw in the last game against um, against Buffalo that uh, I think it was Jordan Whitehead mm-hmm. made a bunch of big plays, got I think through two or three interceptions. So I mean they they're certainly are capable of making plays, but like their front seven is as good as the Cowboys are going to face all year. They have really strong cornerbacks. They they can just rush four and play coverage. We've seen in the past that 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 the Cowboys and Dak have struggled with that. So this is going to be a really interesting test. And I think, I think it's going to be one of those things where, you know, McCarthy and the offensive brain trust should play it pretty close to the vest and rely on the defense to make the plays that will be the ones that change the game. Let the defense get a turnover, drive and get a short, get a short field, get a cheap touchdown, get a couple field goals after you get the ball on the other team's side of the field field don't turn the ball over and you'll be fine yeah well that'd be interesting if if that is what happens because that will make the second game that will have will open the season and the cowboys will really have not shown us a whole lot on the offensive side of the ball you know i think we're all happy with the results from sunday but at the same time we're like wondering you know where's brandon cooks and of course Manal cooks is dealing with an a knee injury and they're and like mm-hmm. are they going to get anything from their tight ends you know in the receiving game you know what 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 are we going to say pollard he he had a couple scores but you know not a whole lot of, of rushing yards so and even cd lamb the cowboys biggest you know receiver was 
didn't didn't run, run all over the place. So I I worry that if if this game is very uh, ordinary for the offense, the Cowboys. I don't like using this term. They're like uh, they're not playing to win. They're just kind of letting the Jets, you know, lose the game for them. If, if it goes down something like that, we're gonna come out of this two weeks. And we don't. We still don't know who this team is on the on the offense side of the ball. So I mean, that's a real possibility, you know. But we could still come out two and zero, and nobody. I mean, who's going to complain about? I that? I was going to say, would you rather come out two and zero, not knowing who the offense is, or come out one and one and having a clear idea of who the offense is? No, I'm with you. I would, <laughs> but I tell you what, I need to know who this offense is before I can decide, you know, what size Super Bowl champion shirt I'm going to order. So, uh, um, just uh, I, I just I, I want to see it. Um, I just want to see him. I know this is a bad game yeah. to do that and uh, because the Jets defense is so good. Yeah, I mean I, th- I think you'll I think you'll get a sense of of certain uh, here's here's what I here's what I imagine will happen uh, for for us as we're trying to uh, you know gather information about who the Cowboys offense is and what their identity is. You know, one of the things about I think the Mike McCarthy offense that's a little bit different is He's got a lot more ways to get receivers open quickly, right? Whether it's through rub routes, whether it's through, uh, you know, different, different route combinations. I think that there's a lot, you know, like the whole slant flat thing that everyone, you know, derides him for. But the, the whole point of that is you, you get a guy open quickly, you, you get him the ball and, and you, you know, put him in position to make a play. And I think that that aspect of the offense is going to be put to the test because that's exactly what they're going to need to do. They're going to need to get the hands the ball in the hands of a playmaker and give the guy an opportunity to make a play and get a few yards. And so um, there's, there's that piece. And I also wonder like, you know, the screen game and some other things you do against a really fast, really tough defense. Are there some other sort of counters to a really strong defense that they have in the playbook that they clearly didn't need to use against, against the giants because the giants pass rush wasn't doing anything against them. And, um, and, uh, that they, you know, that, that they may unveil this week. I, I think the other piece of this is, you know, the Jets defensive line is is really, really good, but so was the Giants. And the Giants, as we talked about earlier, didn't really do much at all. I mean, they didn't they didn't threaten Dak much at all. It was a couple couple plays, a couple of plays where he had, had felt a little pressure, but for the most part, um, they did a marvelous job of protecting. And I think that I mean Tyrant Smith was incredible. This is not a good game. This is not a good game to have our friend Tyler Smith out. We said that last week, but these defensive tackles are even better than Giants defensive tackles as a group. So, yeah, you know, uh, it's all, you know, they, they, they held up fine last week. Yeah. And one of those guys that held up fine was uh, Chuma Adoga, which was a third round pick from the Jets in 2019. Absolutely right. Yeah. So he'll, he'll know these guys. He practices against them all the time. That's an advantage. So I tell you what, before we wrap things up, Given everything I've said and given everything you know about this team, how do you think it's going to play out? What's your prediction for uh, Sunday? Well, I think that the Jets are going to score on the Cowboys defense. So I'm, I'm <laughs> going to go out there on a limb right now and say we're not going to see another goose, goose egg on there. Um, but honestly, I really have a tough time figuring out how much it's going to, they are. And I, and I just don't see it a lot. I, I don't know if this is just, you know, I'm just so um, enamored with what I saw on Sunday that if, if, if this is causing this, but I'm giving the Jets six points. 
That's all. Mm-hmm. That's all mm-hmm. I'm giving him. So what I don't know is what the Cowboys offense is going to do. But I'll tell you what, I think, I think we're going to see a defensive score. So I think the defense can win this game on its own. I think they, they can win seven to six just on that. But the Cowboys are going to score. I just don't know how much. I I got a I got a twenty to six game, and I think you know most of the the goodness is going to come again from the defensive side of the ball. I, I just I just can't envision how you know what would have to happen for the Cowboys to lose lose control of this one. It would it would have to we would have to come out of week two with some serious concerns, and those concerns would have to be on offense because there's no way it can happen on defense. I mean, I suppose it's possible that it happens on defense if they're able to run the ball consistently. Like, the, the you know, they follow the Green Bay script. But they're still, they, even then, you know, Aaron Rodgers still had to make several incredible, like, perfect throws to beat the Cowboys. I, I actually, you know, as you were talking, I was nodding because I feel exactly the same. And the game that I'll offer you as a kind of template is the game against Detroit last year. If you remember that game um, – uh, that was Dak's first game back. That's a good, the that's offense a good... was still finding its finding its sea legs with Dak. Dak was finding his sea legs. They just come off of several, you know, really good defensive performances that helped Cooper Rush get get dubs. And um, that was a pretty tight game for a long time. We were a little bit frustrated with how tight it was for a long time. And eventually, the defensive pressure kind of got to them. They got they got a they got a you know cheap turnover, got a short field, and they got a, I think they had a defensive score, and they opened it up. And I think the final score was something like twenty four six or something like that. I expect something similar. I don't know if they'll score as much, but I think it'll be a similar kind of thing where it's a defensive battle, and ultimately the Cowboys defense makes a play to either get it as you said get a score or put the offense in a really really favorable position where they they, they only you know they just need to like get a swing past the pollard it gets down to the two and then they you know and then they they push it in or something like that to really put it out of reach um so i i'm gonna say 19 to 6 oh wow. so we're, we're really really closely aligned here that was that was a score i had in my head before you said yours so i think we're pretty we're pretty uh pretty tightly uh, bunched here in terms of the way we think this is going to turn out. Yeah, I, you know, now that you bring up that Detroit game, which is a great, great game, but to to I think that's a good, a good uh, thing for for us to think about too, because I'm now wondering like, what are the Jets going to do? They they know what they're up against, you know, as far as going against this Cowboy defense. What are they going to try to employ? Are they going to try to do some cute stuff, some extra players that? taking on some different roles. I, I mean, I don't know if they have the personnel to, to even do this, but are, are we going to see like a different version of what they would normally do? Because I don't think playing straight up against this Cowboys defense, they're going to have, have a chance. I think we're going to, it would take some, I mean, like Daniel Jones was trying to do it on his own with his legs because they knew they, they, they knew they were in an uphill battle. So what are the jets going to do when they realize they're in an uphill battle? And I don't know. They, I think they're gonna have to do something. You're gonna, I mean, it's got to take a shot. I mean, if I'm the if I'm the Jets coaches, I, I'm just gonna do whatever I can to put it in the hands of my defense. You know, I'm gonna try to. Are you gonna Bobby Boucher this thing and just uh, you know, just punt it and let's go? You know, uh, I I think I think you almost have to. I think you have to be conservative because if you do something daring that backfires. That's when you get in the negative game script that you can't afford to be in. Yeah. 
I mean, yeah, this, you know, I don't want to sound too much like Jason Garrett, you know, and everyone's like, oh, it's too conservative. But that's sort of what Jason Garrett did for years when they, when the Cowboys were, you know, oftentimes outmanned against, against rivals is they kept it close, kept it close. And then you, you, you know, you hope that your, your, your offensive stars at that time, Tony Romo and Dan Bailey can win the game at the end. And I think that that's probably their best chance to keep it close. And then, and then you open it up at the end and go for it. Yeah. Well, you know what? Nobody's going to care about if 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 they Jason Garrett it if it's conservative, whatever. What as long as they can come out, come away with a the win, then ever all will be well. Uh, it's only when that approach does not net the victory will there be some you know that's right have to answer to. So, but that is all we have for our show today. If you haven't yet, please do subscribe to the Logging Boys Podcast Network. Leave us a rating and write a review wherever you get your podcast, Apple, Spotify, iTunes, or Stitcher. Tell us what you think, anything you would like us to do differently to improve your podcast listening experience. And if you ever want to talk to us about anything at all, any cowboy hot topics, any matchups you're looking for, or what is your most humiliating loss as a Cowboys fan, let us know. You can hit me up on Twitter. I'm at DannyFandom24. And don't forget to check out all the great podcasts throughout the entire week. Every day we got something new for you. Tomorrow we'll have the world's team with Meg Murray and Paul Stewart. So make sure to check that out. But that's all we have for today. Thanks for hanging out with us. Hope you have a great weekend. Stay safe, stay happy, stay true to the silver and blue. And we will catch you later. Have a joyous Sunday, you all. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts.